From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. People who live on the streets or in shelters in Syracuse have what has been described as an urgent need for integrated, comprehensive psychiatric and addiction treatment. And today I'm talking with an addiction and pain psychiatrist who's doing what he can to help. With me in the studio is Dr. Sunny Aslam. Thanks for being here. Happy to be here. So how did you get involved in this kind of work? I've been lucky in, in that I've had a number of terrific mentors in my life. And, you know, it all probably all started for me when I was really young. And um, my father um, encouraged our family through our church to work at a soup kitchen. So I worked at a soup kitchen growing up and got uh, involved in a lot of volunteer work, um, continued that through college, and then got away from it for a little while, but eventually went to medical school. And I came to Syracuse for residency, and um, I was lucky to be a part of uh, the Department of Psychiatry here at Upstate with wonderful mentors like uh, Dr. Dewan, who, again, the emphasis is on service, forward thinking, what's the best we can do for the community, particularly for those who are vulnerable, vulnerable populations, and that's a big mission here at Upstate. So um, I've been really lucky to have mentors after residency. I had another terrific mentor who stressed this work and doing it in creative ways. So um, I've been able to, to get a lot of um, experience through great mentorship. Now, did you go to medical school knowing that you wanted to get into psychiatry? So interestingly, no. I, my father's a vascular and thoracic surgeon, so I grew up around the operating room. He used to let me come, you know, remove staples and see cases. I was fascinated by anatomy, uh, physiology, and the surgical life. Um, so I thought, I went to medical school thinking I was going to be a surgeon. Um, and I was just transfixed by um, my experience um, on psychiatric wards and hearing people's stories, being able to listen. Um, and it was just a really moving experience, and there's just such a great need in that area that this is what I decided to do with psychiatry. In your um, chosen field, does it, do, you feel, do you go home at night feeling like you've made a, a difference in someone's life? It's interesting. So it's a mix. At times, you know, working with uh, uh, addicted patients, um, it's an addiction and pain service I'm on, and we're psychiatrists too. So we uh, we do uh, generally three things, and the people are on the edge of death. Uh, Seventy-two thousand people died of opioid overdose last year. Four hundred eighty thousand people a year die in the United States from tobacco use. So literally, our patients are dying. And so at times, I don't sleep terrific. Uh, I worry uh, about the patients. But definitely, uh, you know, there are many, many stories of people who find recovery and get well as well. So there's a mix there. It's tough at times, and, and people do die, and that's really hard, but there are a lot of successes as well. Well, good. Well, tell us, tell us what you've been doing. Tell us about this project. Yeah, so um, I, I worked for six and a half years uh, at a community psychiatry clinic nearby, so I was um, seeing people uh, in the office typically who would come to my office uh, with uh, um, mental illness, whether schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, anxiety disorders, etc. They would come to my office, I would see them, they would get a terrific therapist at the clinic, they would maybe participate in programming groups, um, I'd prescribe medications and um, direct their overall psychiatric care, um, and it was comfortable. Um, but um, my boss challenged me, um, I had interests I wanted to do, uh, different things and he gave me some projects to go in the community and see people who were so sick or unable to come to the clinic for whatever reasons and that really uh, captured my interest so I started to do more and more work in the community going out and engaging people in the community and that um, allowed me to connect with many local partners um, including John Tomino from In My Father's Kitchen, Maria Sweeney, a, a lot of the local 
uh, homeless and street outreach workers at the shelter, wonderful people at the rescue mission, Catholic Charities Men's Shelter. So I really got a chance to meet a lot of community partners um, and see what a desperate need there is for, for great care for these folks. And um, I've also had a chance to learn what other organizations are doing. There's, there's so much actually out there, and um, the, the challenge is to know what everyone's doing or try your best to and to partner with them the best way you can so people get, get what they need. And so it's not like duplicating things, but filling in what's needed. Exactly. So as I understand it, you spend Fridays, Friday mornings um, is kind of devoted to this? Or how, how do you uh, scope out your work week? Yeah, so, so for a while um, uh, I was attending meetings where there was a talk of this need um, and the, it was hard to, to fill certain gaps. And so some of the gaps I were hearing about was more of the urgent mobile need for people to, um, to, be, to have their issues addressed. If one of the outreach workers, um, say at the shelter or on the street, needed someone tomorrow, then um, uh, there's actually four, four volunteers from the par- Department of Psychiatry at Upstate who have volunteered to go out on different days of the week to help out. Uh, you know, uh, one nurse practitioner, she covers Mondays, I cover Fridays, you know, so we, we work these things out. We hand out uh, our cell phone numbers and have people call us, text us um, to let us know because people come into the shelters, they leave. They, uh, one day they're interested in treatment, one day they're not. So it's really important to respond as quickly as possible. Um, so that's the work we try to do. And, and again, recognizing that some of our partners in the community are available to do some of this work as well. So we, you know, if it's a day where one of us just can't get there right away, we, um, we, Find we, yeah, we encourage them to call, uh, you know, um, one of the other partners in the community as well. So we're all trying to work together to fill these gaps. So you give out your cell phone number to the patients that you encounter so, at the shelters? Or? So not necessarily to patients. I give them to all the, the shelter workers. I give it to okay. the administrators. So I give it, you know, so that when somebody comes that they can, they can certainly, I give out my card with my office phone number. If, uh, if I'm on my way home and there's someone on the corner and I can't stop in the middle of the traffic, right. I give them my card and I say, please call, please call, call me. I want to try to be helpful. Neat. Well, uh, healthly listeners might remember we recently had um, a colleague of yours, Dr. David Lehman, um, was on this show talking about what uh, the medical care that he's doing. And you work closely with him as well, right? Yeah, not only is Dave a dear friend whose heart I just admire, but yes, we do work quite closely on this work. Um, um, we're constantly in contact with each other about engaging people and figuring out the uh, referrals, figuring out the next best step. I'll hear about somebody that I refer to his, you know, to House Calls for the Homeless for him to see for a medical issue, and he'll send someone uh, that he wants me to see for an addiction or a psychiatric issue. But we're, you know, constantly working together to with with so many other partners um, to to do this work. So, what sorts of issues do you see among um, the homeless and the shelter population? So the the, the statistics show that about a half to two thirds of of the homeless population um, have some type of addiction. If you include tobacco, it's probably everybody, um, and tobacco kills the most. So I sometimes wonder why the statistics don't include tobacco. So I assume that almost all of them have a serious addiction issue. Um, and then on top of that, about a third or so have um, a serious uh, chronic mental illness, such as schizophrenia or bipolar disorder. Um, and almost all of them have also have some form of trauma, uh, abuse, severe neglect, se- sexual, physical, emotional abuse. So you're dealing with... A population that's been horribly traumatized, that's addicted, and and has severe emotional issues. So those are some serious issues to deal with. Um, how do you go about that when 
there's there's not a stable home environment. Um, right. So that's one of the keys is uh, the, the main idea is called housing first, that you try to get people housed safely as soon as possible. Um, it, that concept, it makes sense, getting people housed, but the, it, it's complicated and um, often people need some type of uh, diagnosis um, uh, to be made, to be documented, the forms to be submitted, and the person to be willing to come into housing. Um, sometimes people are so traumatized and afraid of engaging with institutions that um, they will decline housing um, because it feels safer to be outside, for example, um, or they're just, their addiction so severe that uh, they don't even, uh, housing's just not even on the radar for them because they've, uh, you know, heroin or cocaine addiction has taken over their brain. You're listening to Upstate's Health Link on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm talking with addiction and pain psychiatrist, Dr. Dr. Sunny Aslam. Um, now, addiction treatment, as I understand it, um, it, it, it's helped by having a support person in your life if you're going through addiction treatment. So how, how is that accomplished, or what, what takes the place of, I don't know, a spouse or partner um, on the street? So it's the treatment team uh, in many cases. It's the shelter staff. It's a lot of loving outreach uh, community workers who do this work, like in my father's kitchen, Maria Sweeney, uh, other peer workers. Um, it's So it becomes, the treatment team often becomes part of that um, family, if you would, for that person. Is it hard for you to track down your patients? It, because they're moving, right? It can be very hard, and that's where the team approach comes in. So people hear me, I'm like a broken record about having a good team because I don't know everything that's going on. In fact, I know very little, but I know the people who know what's going on. And, you know, um, uh, again, like John, Maria, the shelter staff, they I just show up and they tell me where to go, who to see, what needs to be done. Um, I'm lucky I have the initials after my name that allows me to do a lot of things, but I really need uh, other team members, and uh, honestly, they're the, they're the heroes in this work in my mind. So the team, but then also the patient has to be really invested in wanting help. Right? That's right. Because not everybody is going to be receptive to having help. That's right, and, and it's usually not the first try that where you have much success. Um, this work is about engagement. It's about patience, not being judgmental, and... Maybe it's the, uh, the second, third, 50th, or 100th time. And, you know, the hope is, is that the person is just still alive when they decide to make that change because of the mortality rates uh, in the population. So let me ask you this. It's got to be personally, like emotionally, it's got, you've got to have days that are emotionally draining in this line of work. What do you do personally to protect yourself from burnout? I mean, how do you, you know, make sure that you're able to go back the next day and the day after that and the day after that? It's a great question, and uh, I work with a lot of trainees, and there's been so much interest in outpouring lately from trainees who want to do this work. So it's uh, one of the reasons I highlight supervision, mentorship, self-care as uh, um, so important, and again, the team thing. If you don't have a team that you can talk to, because when people pass away, you have to, you have to grieve that. You have to be able to talk about, uh, be willing to talk about the mistakes so we can learn from them. So we do educational and training, things like uh, mor morbidity and mortality conferences, so that the team has a chance not only to process our feelings about losing someone we've been working intensely with, um, but also to, to grow and to try to get better at what we do. Uh, but the team approach, mentorship, supervision, being willing to talk about these things, and then the self-care parts, you know, trying to find some time to exercise and take care of, of myself. 
Good. Well, what are your hopes for the future for this program? If if uh, if money wasn't an issue, what what would you want in place? What yeah. would help? So I'm really encouraged because there are a number of community partners who are actively engaged and and uh, want to talk about where to go uh, with this project. You know, and and some recent unfortunate events have have in the news have have made this even more of I think of a priority. And you hear local officials, you hear businesses, you hear. Uh, not just uh, those of us who do this work, but uh, a greater uh, part of the community engaging in this population about how do we work with and and deal with the fact that we live in the ninth poorest city in the U.S. with such uh, concentrated racial poverty. And um, so there's really more interest now that I've seen in some time, which is really encouraging. So what my thoughts are that uh, there's about 60 other um, programs in the country of where they have integrated street medicine teams, they're called. And that's where what Dave Lehman's trying to do here, what I'm trying to help him with, and, and many community partners, we're trying to put together a team that not only provides comprehensive medical, addiction, psychiatric, social services, housing, outreach engagement, but trains the next generation of, of uh, providers. So I'm going to be gone eventually, and but I would love for... You know, some of these I've had occupational therapy, medical students, psychiatry residents, internal medicine. Uh, you know, in so many uh, different people want to contribute. They are thirsty for these opportunities. It's a great experience, and you want to do it in a safe way that where you're supervised by people who have the experience and want to teach. That's Dave Lehman. That's me. We're blessed to to be able to do this work, um, and and to love teaching as well. And so, you know, um, Upstate's a terrific place to be and that we have a chance to to do all this to plan these things and hopefully move these uh ideas forward is this work harder in the winter time up here it's got to be harder to live on the streets in the winter time up here but your work is that impacted by the weather too sure it, it absolutely is and uh you, you know the the thing about being the one of the doctors on this is we kind of get a lot of the glory but it's those other team members who are doing the day-to-day -day engagement that are out there who are out there in their coats, and I just have so much admiration for them. They they call when th things are needed, or they bring me out. They take me out with them. We, you know, so I, sure the winter is harder to do, but for the people who do the work, like day in day out, um, I just have so much respect for them. And you know, kind of the doctors get to come in and and uh, you know get a lot of attention, and and um, but the work done by the you know. Um, a shelter staff, for example, is just so moving to me that the way folks at the rescue mission engage with a, a population that's uh, that just at times they just don't want to be engaged, but yet they still do it day in day out, <clears throat> day in day out, and pro just provide uh, um, terrific loving care for these uh, people. Wow. Well, this is very important work, and I appreciate you coming in and telling us about it. My guest has been Dr. Sunny Oslam, an addiction and pain psychiatrist at Upstate. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.